Good morning, Hope Church. For the next 60 seconds, I will be conducting a test, a test of my throat. Yeah, we're going to, you know, I had a wonderful week um, battling whatever it is I'm battling, and uh, it's, it's settled right here. So um, we're going to see how long I can go, and everybody's like, yay, 10 minute sermon, <laughs> right, right? But if the Lord gives me strength, I may go past and go an hour, I don't know, we'll see. Now you're praying, please, Lord, no. But you know, part of being sick, too, is I miss out on a lot. And there's some really awesome celebrations that I missed out on this past week. I mean, like Tuesday, it was National Public Sleeping Day. Not public speaking, public sleeping. There's a day set aside to sleep in public. I don't know who does this, but I missed that. And of course, I missed National Peanut Butter Day. That was this week. And then, of course, Friday was Wear Blue Day. And I think my face was more blue than anything I could have worn. But hey, I'm here. And God willing, we will uh, we'll preach God's word. But I do want to begin with a question this morning. I know that shocks all of you that I'm going to ask you a question. But my question is this. What is your greatest fear in life? And as you ponder that question, I want you to know that this is a very interesting and thought-provoking question. It's one that's been asked many, many times over the years. Studies have been done about it. And there was a time when the most common answer was... Anybody? Whoa. (laughs) Somebody's got issues over here. We're going to let them... You're going to let them work that out. A little counseling afterwards, maybe. Speaking in public. Speaking in public. The most common fear in America. In fact, fear of speaking in public actually eclipsed the fear of death as the most common fear, which caused comedian Jerry Seinfeld to quip, people would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. Funny guy, right? But more recent studies have revealed something very, very interesting. This was a study done just last year, 2022, and it showed that not only have people's fears changed, but more people are fearful than ever before. And the common fears that now dominate in the United States of America, they really revolve around five main topics. And I'm going to tell you what they are because you might not guess, although you'll probably nod when I give them to you. Number one, corrupt government officials. You believe that? Yeah, everybody's going, yeah, I believe that. Number two has to do with harm to a loved one, meaning either sickness or death, something like that. Number three, this is very interesting, war. Either nuclear, biologic, economic, but war is a concern. Number four has to do with the environment. Number five, the economy. So our fears have really changed. 
But friends, the most troubling fact is that the percentage of people living with one or more of these fears has grown exponentially in recent years. Now let's be honest, there is quite a bit to be troubled about in the world today. All you have to do is watch the news, right? That'll cause anxiety, maybe even fear. And I also know that there may be things happening in your world that have you concerned, that have you anxious, that have you fearful. Maybe someone dear to you has gotten you know, that bad diagnosis with a very, very poor prognosis. Or maybe you got that. Or maybe your finances are stretched to the breaking point, the economies hit you, you're dealing with a job loss. Maybe a loved one, a child has wandered from the faith or rejected Christ altogether and you're concerned and feel fearful for their soul. Or maybe you have a relationship, maybe a marriage that's just crumbling and it's got you anxious. Well, friends, what we're going to see today is that we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be anxious. There is an option. So today we're going to continue exploring the questions that Jesus asked. And we've learned in this series of messages that, yes, Jesus asked a lot of questions. And we're treating these questions as keys, if you will, to unlock doors behind which we find truths about Jesus, about God, and about ourselves. And today, we're going to discover both. Now, in the passage of Scripture that we study today, once again, we will see Jesus ask not just one question, but he asked two questions. He asked that very important follow-up question. But the primary question that he asks his disciples is, why are you so afraid? And that's the question that Jesus poses to us today as well. And what we're going to learn is that we don't have to be stressed. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be fearful. We have a choice. So our passage of scripture today is found in Mark chapter 4. You're going to see me do this a lot today. Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, Matthew, Mark, right? Second book in the New Testament, Mark, chapter 4. The story that we're going to read is found in verses 35 through 41. That'll be our focus. <clears throat> but what we notice is that this story actually happens fairly early on in Jesus' earthly ministry. It's in the middle of Mark chapter 1 that we see the story of Jesus calling his first disciples. The fishermen, right? Simon, Andrew, James. So at the point that we get to here in chapter 4, they haven't been following Jesus for very long. But see, that doesn't mean that they hadn't seen a lot in this short period of time. <clears throat> in chapters 2 and 3, we read about how the disciples saw Jesus cast out demons and heal many people who were ill. He healed a paralytic. He healed a leper. He even healed Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. But honestly, miracles were really nothing new. 
I mean, if we look back, we saw that Elijah, Elijah had performed miracles. Moses had performed miracles. <clears throat> so, by the miracles that Jesus performed, the disciples saw Jesus as a very special, special man. But a man sent by God, maybe even another prophet. But they don't know exactly who he truly is at this point. But they're about to learn a lot more. Now at the beginning of chapter 4, it tells us that Jesus began to teach. Verse 1 says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. That's the Sea of Galilee. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. So these, these, these crowds of people are kind of crushing in on Jesus, and he says, all right, got to get out of here. So he goes out in a boat to teach them. And he sits down, and he teaches them, and he spends the entire day teaching. And he teaches them about a number of subjects. He teaches using parables, parables, these, these very interesting little stories that Jesus used to illustrate moral and spiritual principles. They were a warning for those who are outside of the faith, but they were instruction for those who were a part of his newly formed messianic community. And he spends the entire day teaching. Now, with my voice the way it is, there's no way I could go an entire day hoping I get to the end of this. But Jesus does this for the entire day. And we pick up the story in verse 35. <coughs> it says, That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. So after this long day of teaching, Jesus says, look, we got to get away. We got to go somewhere. We got to get some rest. I'm tired. But they didn't go ashore right there. They didn't stop and get food. They didn't stop and get a change of clothes. No, it says they left immediately. So they just started going to the other side. And then verse 37 tells us that a furious squall came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? So here they are, they're crossing over the Sea of Galilee. And, and why did they cross the Sea of Galilee? To get to the other side. No, that's an old joke. No, Jesus told them that they were going to cross over, right? But anyway, it's about six miles across where they are. They're probably somewhere in the middle. And the storm comes up. It says a furious squall. And this Greek word here that's used for squall... It's the same Greek word that's used for hurricane. Hurricane. So this is, this is a big one. This is a big one. And you know, the Sea of Galilee was well known for these types of sudden violent storms. Sea of Galilee sits about 700 feet below sea level. It's mountains on the one side, hills on the other, and this cold air comes down from the mountains and it mixes with the warm air over the lake. And it causes these sudden and very violent storms. But this one, this one was really something special. 
Because it tells us that these guys feared for their lives. Now, remember that at least four of these disciples here that are in the boat with Jesus, what were they in their past lives? They were fishermen, right? They'd spent their lives in boats on this lake. So you know that they were well acquainted with these kinds of storms. But this time, this time, again, it's different because they're thinking, we're done. We're done. It's over. We are going to drown. And I can, I can just sort of picture them, you know, doing everything they've been taught to manage a boat in a storm. You know, rowing into the storm, throwing stuff out, doing everything that they could think of, bailing water. But then coming to the realization that they were in big, big trouble and there was nothing that they could do. They were stressed, right? They were anxious. They were afraid. Because this situation was out of their control. And friends, that really is the root of stress and anxiety. The inability to control our situation. We're control freaks. We want to be in control. But the bottom line is, we're not. So what is it that has you stressed? Is it finances? Is it a job? Is it a health issue? Are you afraid of the possibility of nuclear war? Or maybe things in your life are going along pretty well right now. Life's good. That's great. Awesome. Praise God. But know this, friends. We live in a world that is the equivalent of the Sea of Galilee. And storms, violent storms, can come up in our lives very suddenly. And if you haven't experienced to this point in your life, Hang on, because at some point you probably will. But see, there's a few things that we need to remember about these storms. First thing we want to remember is who creates these storms? Now, while it's true that Satan may have caused the storm that you're in, maybe in an effort to derail your faith or drive a wedge between you and God. The truth is, friends, behind it all, God is sovereign. Behind all your storms, you will see the Lord our God. <clears throat> Listen to what Psalm 107 says. Some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' end. And it sounds a lot like our story today, doesn't it? Maybe that sort of matches where you're at today. But behind the storm, friends, you will find God. In Isaiah 45, God himself says, I form the light and create darkness. I bring 
prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. So whether we understand it or not, the God of creation is sovereign and he is working out his perfect plan in this world and in our lives. And it just so happens that storms are a part of his plan. <clears throat> Second thing we want to remember here is very often it's God who leads us into the storm. Remember, it was Jesus who had the idea to get in the boat and head to the other side. And look, Jesus knows what's up. He knows what's coming. He knows there's going to be a storm. This is not a surprise to him. But I want you to look at, at this, this promise that's hidden in the passage. It may have gone beyond the disciples. I don't want it to go beyond us today. Because I want you to notice what Jesus does not say here. He doesn't say, hey, let's go and drown in a storm. He doesn't say that. No, he says, let's go over to the other side. He makes it clear that they will make it to the other side. That is his promise. But you know, it really begs the question, if Jesus loves us so much, why does he allow these storms to come into our lives? You ever wonder that? I mean, how many times have you heard people say, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? And make no mistake, friends, God has a purpose in all that he does, and that includes our storms. And the Bible's filled with examples of this. Joseph, he was thrown into a pit. He was sold into slavery by his family. God led the nation of Israel out of Egypt, only to lead them to a dead end, right up to the Red Sea. Daniel was thrown to the lions. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fire. Why? Why? What good could possibly come from any of that? Well, friends, he does it to teach us and to reveal more about himself, his might, his power. See, God loves us. He loves us, and he knows that these lessons are what's good for us. And the lessons, they may be hard. They may be hard. But how else can we know what God can do unless we find ourselves in a situation in which only God can do it? Does that make sense? See, he's the one that's in control. Not us. As much as we want to control our lives, our situations, we can't. And that's a source of constant anxiety and stress. But we don't have to be fearful. Verse 39 says, He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the wind died down, and it was completely 
calm. And it's interesting that Jesus uses the same Greek words, the same rebuke that he used to cast out demons in Mark chapter 1. Same rebuke. Quiet. Be still. See, he'd already showed them his power over demons. He'd already showed them his power over disease. But they still didn't completely understand who Jesus was. We know that because we see in verse 38, they call him teacher, right? They call him teacher. They don't call him Lord. They don't call him son of God. They still think of Jesus as a man, as their rabbi. Special one, but a man and nothing more. But here, Jesus shows them his power and dominion over creation. And he does that by calming the storm. And friends, the understanding from the Old Testament is that only God can command the wind and the waves. Psalm 89 says, Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. See, Jesus does that. And that just had to blow their minds in light of who it is that controls the sea and the waves. And then Jesus asked the disciples these these awesome back-to-back questions for us. And it's in these questions that we see the choice. In verse 40, he asked them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? So what's the choice that we see in there? Well, we can either fear the storms or we can place our faith in the one who commands the storms. The disciples, you know, when they were confronted with the storm, they tried everything they could. And when they were at the end of their rope, then they turned to Jesus. And they said, don't you care? Don't you care that we're going to drown? How often, friends, in the storms that we face, do we do the very same thing? We try to control the situation. We try to do everything we can. And when it all goes south, then we turn to Jesus. It's it's fear or faith. Those are the options. You can fear the storms, or you can place your faith in the one who controls the storms. And Jesus is telling us today, Don't be afraid. Have faith. I'm here. I got this. I'm in your boat. See, Jesus cares about our storms. Jesus loves us and he cares about what's going on in your life. How do we know that he cares? How do we know that he cares? 
the cross. Look at the cross. Look at what he did. And then tell me he doesn't care. You know, Colossians 1 tells, that, tells us that we are reconciled to God and we have peace through His blood shed on that cross. Evidence that He cares. Evidence that He is in control. In such control that He reclaimed His life and He rose again from the dead. And it is that resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives us the hope that we have not only in this life, in our storms, the hope that we have for all eternity. The disciples, they were afraid. They were afraid in the face of the storm. Jesus even said, why are you so afraid? And the word that he used there, it really speaks of being timid, of being fearful to the point of giving up. And then after Jesus calmed the storm, verse 41 tells us that they were still terrified, they were still afraid, and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Again, we see that they're afraid, but this time, this time, the Greek word that's used there really speaks to being stricken with awe. Stricken with awe and amazement in the presence of of someone who is so much greater than yourself. That's who Jesus is. And the choice is clear, friends. It's fear or faith. See, fear questions God, right? Fear questions God. Fear says, hey, you forgot me. Fear says, you're asleep. Fear says, I've been abandoned. Fear says, You don't love me. But faith, faith, friends, stands on the truth of God's word and rests in the fact that he does care, that he does love you, and that he is with you. So what form what storms are you facing today? Doesn't matter what they are. Don't be afraid. Have faith in God. You can have calm. You can have peace in the midst of your storms. Paul gives us some great advice in Philippians chapter 4 about how to do this. He says do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything. And this isn't merely a suggestion, this is a command. It's a command. Don't Worry, don't fret over your circumstances. All that's going to do is create fear and steal your joy. You cannot rejoice in the Lord when you're freaking out about what's happening in the world. The answer to that anxiety, it's faith coupled with prayer. 
It's faith-filled prayer. Give it to God. Trust in the God who loves you and cares for you. Let him work it out. In every situation, every circumstance, pray to him. Cry out to him. He wants to hear from you. And Paul says, do it with a grateful heart. Do it with thanksgiving. Remembering who God is. That it's he that controls the storms. And he hears your prayers. And he cares for you. And he will guard you and love you. So really, friends... Here's what it boils down to. Here's what Jesus is saying to each of us today. He's saying it to each and every one of us. He's saying, let's go over to the other side. But he isn't inviting us to cross over to the other side of a lake. No, he's inviting us to cross over to the other side of life. See, this life is our Sea of Galilee. It really is. And we're each in our own little boat. The other side is our reward. And we know that along the way, as we cross over, there are storms that are going to come up. They're going to be sudden. They're going to be violent. And if we don't have Jesus in our boat, we might be afraid. No, you better be afraid if you don't have Jesus in your boat. But with Jesus in our boat, if we trust in him, we don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be anxious. We can have peace. We can have calm knowing that he will navigate us to our final destination. You know, earlier I quoted from Psalm 107, and the beginning of that particular passage really spoke to the, the fury and, 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 and the, the people that were in the boat being at the end of their rope. But here's the rest of it. Here's the rest of it. Psalmist writes this. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm and he guided them to their desired haven. Don't be afraid. Even in the storms, have faith in the Son of God. Have faith in God himself. Trust in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we come to you with praise and thanksgiving, Lord, that you alone are the God of creation. You are the, the creator of all. You control our storms. And Lord, as we face these things in our lives, I just pray that we would learn more and more to trust in you have faith in you. We have a choice, faith or fear, Lord, and we choose faith, faith in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done.
thank you for your blessing. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.